0: Great move,
1: great move.
2: I great. have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum. Flying saucers, which are really, yeah, you got it, time machines. I think a lot about this kind of, of stuff, about this kind of stuff, this kind of stuff.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you think this is the real Quaid? It is, it is.
1: Okay, welcome to Tarantino's. My name is Mike Morales, and like always on this podcast, I'm here with my comrade, my co-host, the host with the most, (laughs) Angel De
0: Leon. Hopefully it gets better than this.
1: So this is a movie appreciation podcast. This is where we talk about awesome movies that we saw as children. In our case, it's like the awesome movies of the 80s and 90s. Although I would say like in future episodes, we might talk about some recent movies or we may even go back talk some older classics, you know, we're going to leave it open. But I think, you know, particularly for this podcast, you need a hook. And our hook is that we mostly talk about 80s and 90s films.
0: Yeah, we want to make sure that people still appreciate. We don't want anybody to watch a movie now and just think that this started happening yesterday. There's a lot of great movies from the 80s and 90s that people might have slept on or just forgotten
1: about. We're here to bring them back. We, we had a break. I think our last podcast episode was a couple months ago (laughs) we're trying to figure out a schedule you know there's we've been kind of inconsistent at times there might be a couple episodes published in a month or there might be zero episodes in the month we're going to work that out we're going to try to get as many new episodes out there i'll just say that i mean (laughs) the thing is this is a hobby of ours this is not like something we do on a regular basis yeah we don't pay our bills with this (laughs) we just we just make yours and our dreams come true The reason why we do this podcast is because we love talking about movies. We love to talk about the movies that that we loved back then. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about a particular unsung hero of the '80s and '90s, uh, Louis Gossett Jr., who I, I would say that is a an actor who is greatly admired, but also at the same time taken for granted or maybe overlooked at some at times. You know, here here's a guy who's won awards and has starred in big movies and also has appeared in a lot of cult films too and a lot of and let's be let's be frank he has appeared he has a, he has co-starred in a lot of kind of bad movies as well but despite how bad a movie that he is in he is probably the best thing about that movie regardless how great or how bad the movie is
0: yeah and when you look at his body of work he's never slowed down first time behind the camera he's consistently put out film he's been in a, what do you call it the small screen Appearing on, like, the Jeffersons, Good Times. He's been in TV, uh, I think, probably, if we check, he's probably been on Broadway. And like you said, he is the unsung hero because he is usually the co-star or one of the shining stars in a less than amazing motion picture, if you want to call it that. But he's never stopped entertaining me. I mean, I love this
1: guy. Yeah, I think when I think of Louis Gossip Jr., I think of some, uh, not just his work, but also... Just him as an actor, he has something about him that reminds me of a kind of a natural ability to be stoic, uh, to be com- very composed. There's a righteousness about his work, you know, the, the, his performances. So the, I think that's the thing I kind of am drawn to, to, towards. Uh, he is someone who always plays the mentor, the father figure. He always plays like kind of the right hand man. And, and, and there's a reason, there's a reason for
2: that. Do you really believe that nonsense you're saying? Look at me when I talk to you! Look, let, let me clue you into something right now. I've given this country 22 damn fucking years of my life. 22 years. I've seen young boys blown out of the air over the Pacific. I've seen the guts sprawled all over the rice padders of Vietnam, so every time somebody dies for this country, believe me, boy, I give a shit! God damn it, nobody talks to me like this. I'm not gonna start now. I'm gonna help your father, Hmm? be strong for your family you stay right here yeah he's very
0: relatable Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and uh his his style everything about him it's it's not like you're like oh he's he's not one of those characters where it's like oh yeah you'll never meet a guy like that you've met a million guys like him and like i just think he he he's good at taking a small performance maybe and making it very big not too big where it overruns but he himself, he he just, you can tell he puts everything in, there's no little roles for him, you know what I mean? There's, there's his role and he's going to do it his best every time, every time he steps in front of that camera. I believe he does the best possible job. I would never, it's kind of like when you watch a movie and you go, oh, I could take this guy out and put in this other guy and it would be better. I've never seen a Lou Gossett movie where that comes into play. Where I'd say, oh, they should have had so-and-so played instead. Like, he was always the best at that part, if you ask me.
2: Fall in! I said fall in, you slimy worms! Put your toes on the edge of that club line! I said put your toes on the edge of the club line, you slimy worm! Ah, ten! What? I don't believe what I'm seeing. Where well, you've been all your lives. At an orgy? Listening to Mick Jagger music and bad-mouthing your country, I'll bet. You better stop eyeballing me, boy. You're not worthy enough to look your superiors in the eye. Use your peripheral vision. Understand? Yes, sir. Every time I say understand, I want the whole group to say, "Yes, yes, sir. Understand? Yes, sir. Understand? Yes, sir.
1: This is a particular actor who is mesmerizing in whatever dialogue he is given. There's a believability with his performances. It's kind of like the old saying that, you know, I would buy this guy if he if he's reading a phone book, you know, these, these type of actors who could read a phone book and still be entertaining.
0: Yeah, it's, sometimes it's like uh, maybe somebody's talking about a movie and you ask them what it's about and they tell you what it's about and you're kind of like, eh. And then they go, Luke Gossett Jr.'s in it. You're like, oh, really? <laughs> like, you know, mm-hmm. if if it, it never hurts a film, you know what I mean? It would never be like, eh, okay. It's like, oh, he's like, oh, really? Like, oh, no, I got to check it out. It's just... It, you expect a uh, level from him, and you're never disappointed.
1: It's funny because, like, uh, when I was uh, when I was talking to my brother about this episode and we're, that we're going to dedicate it to uh, Louis Gossett Jr., he says, "Oh, why? Because did he die or something?" <laughs> I go, "No, no, no. We're, we're, we're jinxing <laughs> people. We're only yeah. accelerating people that have passed." <laughs> No, but I I think we talked about this before, maybe behind the scenes, about how maybe instead of focusing on one particular movie that we could like take an episode and really focus on a filmography of a particular actor or a particular director that we love. And in this case, it's, you know, Louis Gossett Jr. I I guess the idea came with us thinking about focusing on Enemy Mine, which is a cult classic science fiction film that he stars in with with, uh, Dennis Quaid. And then it kind of we talked about it a little bit, and like you know what? Actually, he starts in a lot more movies in the eighties and nineties that we love. Maybe we should just should just talk about his filmography in this episode. So that's what we're doing. We want to celebrate this guy. We want to like pay homage, and it really gives us a chance to like talk about a number of films that we love and that he starred in.
0: Yeah, and it kind of sneaked up on me how many he was actually in that I liked. Like, how would I say that? Oh, I love Lou Gossett Jr. movies. It's probably not a sentence I would say on its own, but then when I looked up all his his credits, I'm like, you know what? I like Lou Gonza Jr. movies, man. They're good flicks, and, and they're the kind that you you don't you catch yourself watching when they're on. Like I know now everything streams, but back in the day when you had to actually press channel up or mm-hmm. search the guide, mm-hmm. like when you saw a movie he was in, it's real easy to hit play, it, click on it, no matter where it is. You just you halfway through the movie, you'd stop and watch it because you know he's gonna be in it. And I mean, for our, if you take, we're what, 45, 46? Yeah. You take our ages, one of the most iconic films, you know, one of the whole 80s, like screams 80s, Iron Eagle. (laughs) Yeah. Doug Masters,
2: raised on an airbase, born to fly. Doug, it's your dad. He's been shot down. Now his father is a hostage in a foreign country. I have been informed you will not sign the confession we require. At no time did I violate your territorial airspace. And nobody is willing to help him. We're doing all we can. Which is nothing, isn't it? We're gonna hang him. Except one retired combat pilot. Chappie, he's only got three days. I got the whole base wired. I can get you plane, aerial recon, intelligence. You can get me a couple of pilots too. I can get you one. We're gonna bust them out of there. You sure you're up to it? All right, all right, we're going! While the government can't risk a rescue, they will. I want these pigs blown out of the sky. See you soon, Dad.
0: And anytime you say Lou Gossett Jr., there's somebody that's going to yell out, Chappie. It just happens. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, you could be in a crowded bar and just scream Lou Gossett Jr. And everybody's going to scream Chappie. It's just, he's got some iconic roles. And it's funny because you say, okay, 80s, whatever. He was in Roots. You know what I mean? So it's not like he's just in these cult classic or genre classic. He's in some serious stuff, too. So it's. The guy's been around for a while, and it seems like he's not slowing down. You look at his credits right now, he's in a lot of stuff that's just being announced. It's a post-production, so Mm -hmm. he truly is not slowing at all.
1: Yeah, I think he's always been busy since, like you said, consistently since, I guess, when he was 20. Now he's in his, what, 70s or 80s. And, yeah, he kind of started in television. He appeared in a lot of great television shows. And then Roots came along. And re- really, kind of catapult him into a, a certain degree where he won uh, the Emmy. You know, Roots was a kind of iconic, uh, groundbreaking miniseries that uh, touched on on slavery. Now, I haven't really seen the miniseries. I saw clips of his performances on YouTube. You know, Roots is something that came. I think came nineteen seventy seven. I was born. Yeah, I was only You're I was, one. You're <laughs> one. Yeah, so we kind of missed the boat on Roots, but it. That, whoa! 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 <laughs> yes, like on, the, man. wrong choice of words. But uh, uh, but it was Too like soon. Soon. <laughs> it won, you know, numerous Emmy awards. One won the highest rated shows ever. It it, it, it got like Super Bowl numbers at by, by by the end of the final episode. I think the final episode was watched by 100 million viewers. That's like that's Super Bowl numbers really, yeah. you know. So it's it's an astonishing accomplishment. And I think he is one of the standout performances, you know, in that, in that series. I bring this up because, you know, he, is, he had a career in television. He is a respected Emmy Award winner, but something happens in 1982 when he leaps from television into film, and he takes on the role an officer and an officer and a gentleman where he plays the strict drill instructor, and he's playing against Richard Gere, And this is an, another film that was a cultural hit
2: you laughing at me, dick brain? No, sir. You better stop eyeballing me, boy. I'll rip your eyeballs off the sockets and skull. Fuck you to death. Yes, sir. What's your name, boy? Mayo. Zach Mayo, sir. How did you slip into this program? I didn't know the Navy was so hard up. And it
1: won him his Oscar. He was the first African-American Oscar winner for a supporting actor. So... What's your thoughts on uh, on Officer and a Gentleman? Oh,
0: man, I've never seen it. This is one of my wife's favorite movies. I have an issue with Richard Gere. Interest? I do not like him. Okay? But I know it's one of those things. How do you not like someone you've never met? In uh, Eternal Affairs, <laughs> when he screws over Andy Garcia, there's something about him where I think he's like that in real life. You so, you've known me a long time. It's, I I do really weird shit like that. But because of how easily I mean he's banged his old lady, he's just he seems like a real greasy turd. And I don't want to watch <laughs> any of his movies. Even though I've seen First Night, I pretend he's somebody else. And I've just because of that I've never seen it. It's it's kinda like I it's not my type of movie, but it's so classic I should have seen it. But the fact that Richard Gere's in it, it
1: makes me go, makes me, makes me stay away. It's interesting you say that because I think Richard Gere has kind of, we don't see him recently and he kind of lost uh, his kind of cultural hold on people. Probably slept with everyone's wife. (laughs) But at this time, and this is, this is his peak in in his career. In 1982, he was like the the biggest star. He was the, the, the guy, the pinup actor. I love this. I love this movie. By the way, I, you know, I agree with your wife that this is probably <laughs> a great. <laughs> yeah, oh film. No, dude, most people
0: love it, but I mean, this is one of her favorites.
1: Yeah, it, well, that's interesting. I, I didn't. I didn't know that because it is a good movie. I think it still holds up if you go back and watching it. And to me, you know, I know we're living in a time where Top Gun is the big movie because you know Top Gun Maverick. is like the biggest movie of this year, and, and Top Gun came out a little bit later, like in '86 or something. I think Officer and Gentleman, which has similar notes, you know, or or similar storylines, uh, although there's there's less uh, jet uh, fighter jet scenes in the movie. There, actually, there's no jet scenes in the movie, but it, I think is a lot better movie than Top Gun, and I think Richard Gere is a, probably a better actor, or well, at least at this time, than than Tom Cruise. I, I mean, maybe that's a controversial thing to say, but I really enjoyed this movie and the way it holds up. And I think you, you will, will, too, if you check it out, if you kind of dismiss this kind of bias against Richard Gere. I,
0: I probably can't. Like, and you know what's funny? He reminds me of Paul Newman, right? He's like the yeah. 80s Paul Newman. Okay, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I like Paul Newman, man. <laughs> I just can't get over this guy. I don't. <laughs> well, maybe this is the should.
1: movie that will do it for you. You know, in this movie, Richard Gere plays a, a punk, maybe an arrogant punk, who, gets, who, who wants to be a, a Navy pilot. And he goes into this strict, rigorous training program where Louis Gossett Jr. is the head drill instructor. And if you see the scenes in, in the movie where he's kind of talking down to the, the recruits, it's very similar to, to what um, Stanley Kubrick did in Full Metal Jacket. You know the, those scenes. You know those are iconic scenes in Full Metal Jacket with the with the training and he's yelling at all the recruits. But this ha- this was a couple of years before uh, Full Metal Jacket, and there's like very similar scenes. That he, in fact, I think Louis Lewis Gossett Jr. did it before uh, Full Metal Jacket, and I think.
0: Well, the the guy at Full Metal, he's a real. Oh yeah, he was he was a he's a real, real deal, but he was uh, he's a consultant so.
1: I'm sure they had real, real consultants in, in, in officer yeah. and office gentlemen, and but there was like almost similar dialogue. I think Louis Gossett Jr.'s performance in this is just as iconic as the one in Full Metal Jacket.
0: Yeah, I see. I never seen this one, but I mean, Full Metal Jacket, man. It, I sit up straight when I watch that because <laughs> it feels like he's going to turn and yell at me through that screen.
1: Well, I think if you like that part of Full Metal Jacket, I think you would definitely love. An officer and gentleman, because that's. I'm gonna all- have to fast forward through all
0: <laughs> the ge- all his scenes, because
1: this is it's this this movie is all about that. It's all about this training program and how he has to whip these boys in shape. And and there, I think there was also a woman recruit too. I I would say it's a it, it's a well deserved Oscar win for this guy. And like I said, he was the first African American uh, actor to win a supporting role or a supporting uh, Oscar. Stop.
2: Now, why would a slick little hustler like you want to sign up for this kind of abuse anyway? I want to fly jets, sir. My grandmama wants to fly jets. I wanted it since I was a kid. We're not talking about flying hey? We're talking about character. I've changed. I've changed since I've been here. Hell, you have. I've changed, sir. No. I just polished up your ass a little bit. You just shined it up. Now, tell me what I want to hear. I want your D.O.R. No, sir. I want your D.O.R. I ain't going to quit. Spell it D.O.R. Oh. I ain't gonna quit. Yeah, then you can be free and you and your daddy can get drunk and go hole chasing again, huh? No, sir! D-O-L. I ain't gonna quit. All right, then you can forget it. You're out. Don't you do it! Don't! You! I got nowhere else to go! It's,
1: it's, it's very strange because when you look at his films and, the, the, you know, from this point, this is 1982 when he won his Oscar and... The movies after that kind of declines a little bit. I mean, quality. Yeah, as far as dr- dr- as far as co
0: stars and dramas yeah. and stuff like that, for sure.
1: I, I think in his role in Officer and Gentleman really kind of pigeonholed him as the military guy. He plays a lot of military people afterwards. Is particularly in Iron Eagle. You know what
0: it is too. It's very good posture, man.
1: Yeah. The guy's always
0: standing incredibly freaking straight. <laughs> so he always looks like he's at attention.
1: I noticed when, because I took the last couple of days to go back to see some of his films. And I noticed that he has like like a really distinct cadence in his voice. Yeah, Like he always talks to you like. And like when he wants you to get something, he will talk to you like this, <laughs> yes. Mike. Yes. You don't come into my room like this let me address you first. You know, it, it, it's like, it is like kind of a military cadence. Like a take command. Yeah. Of. Yeah. And it works very well for him. It, it's, 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 it's very distinct. And also like you're, you're talking about his posture. I love his like physical frame because he's not overly muscular. He's not overly brawny. But he, lean. Like, but, he yeah. He kicks you <laughs> Yeah. In an inconspicuous way, you could, you you probably could tell that this guy could kick your ass. It's, it's a lot like Keith David. You know, like Keith David, the the yeah. character actor, he has like a little pot belly, but he's like solid. You know, he can like really like slug you if you if he wants to, and like it will hurt. I like that but about him. I like like he looks it, like like an average middle aged man. He kind of looks like my uncle. He kind of looks like my dad. So when he plays like these hero roles, yeah, you you root for him because you're rooting for the male figure in your life. You know?
0: Okay, but if you go back <laughs> to Jaws three, he has this. He has the same cadence when he talks. Like, he's like, I want you to shut the park down. And the guy's like, (laughs) what do you mean shut the park down? He's like, did I stutter? Shut the park down.
2: Hello out there. This is Calvin Bouchard. May I please have your kind attention? Due to technical difficulties, it has become necessary for us to temporarily close the undersea kingdom. Now, for those of y'all who are still in the underwater portion of this park, please follow your guides. And they will point out the, the most convenient and accessible exits. Mommy! Where the hell is the nearest successful exit? We're on the water. Is this off? Uh-huh. Get me some lights down there. I got him right here. Get some shit down there. And get me some medical attention here. Quick!
0: But you know what's funny is I think they waited a really long time to realize he's more than a dramatic or serious actor. Like when you get into like, I know we're going to talk about it, but you get into like digstown oh yeah like he with his face he's very what would you say he's very expressive so there's like the part where he's got to like in digstown you know it's the synopsis he's got 24 what 24 boxers or 12 fights in 24 hours or whatever yeah yeah 10 no yeah 10 fights in yeah 10 fights yeah and he's literally got to make one last longer so he's kind of got the guy. He's wrapping him up, and he's like, "Look at this face. Like, dude, what am I gonna do? Like, next <laughs> time I touch him, he's gonna fall. How do I make this? You know what I mean?" He's definitely more than just that drill instructor. Yeah, but yeah. I think it took took them a little while to get that to get him out of that like that that niche that that typecast. Yeah,
1: he, I think he has great comic timing. Uh, look, here's a beautiful thing about YouTube: you could go on there and search uh, Lewis Gossett Jr. and Eddie Murphy. And they did a bit on SNL back in the 80s where they, they were kind of making fun of uh, stereotypes, black stereotypes. He, they're playing father and son, and they kind of stop and they say, what is this, sh- this, this crap? <laughs> you know, kind of, like, who wrote this crap, you know? They were kind of making fun of, like, the, like, kind of at the time, those kind of black stereotypes. And he has great like, comic timing when he's, t- he's, he's playing off uh, Eddie Murphy. Come
2: on, stop telling me about this monkey ridge that the white man threw in your plans, papa. I'm sick of hearing that, man. I ain't you, I ain't mama. I'm me, Pop. I got my old dreams. What are we doing? What do you mean? <clears throat> this scene bites. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is embarrassing, man. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know your know, Eddie's right. You know why they're having us do this because I'm black, and Eddie's black. <laughs> and I'm old and Eddie's young, so everybody expecting me to play his father. Just like everybody expected me to play
1: Buckwheat,
2: yeah. and for him to play Stymie, yeah. because I'm black and lose ball head. look, 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 at this place. Yeah. Did, did you grow up in a place like this, Eddie? No, I grew up on Long Island, in Roosevelt, Long Island. Yeah. And I grew up in a place like this. Excuse me for a minute. Yeah, yeah. Shut up!
1: <laughs> it's I, I was I would recommend to check it out because it's it's a it, you see him in a different light. You see him like having fun and having I'm a good check time it out for sure. Yeah, I think that's that's the kind of unfortunate thing. I think he he was kind of limited to to some of these offers that he got. Like it was always like I was saying before, he was all, all, often the father figure, often the mentor, the teacher, drill instructor, or military officer, or or simply just a, a right hand man to the lead actor. And uh well, let's let's get into Iron Eagle because this is a movie that you saw many times when you were a kid. Like a billion times, yeah. Talk, talk to us about it.
0: Well, I mean, just like everybody else, my dreams were crushed when I found out that you had to be like 5'10 to be a pilot. So, so my good. my 5'11 was the only thing holding me back. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, it's okay. It's so weird because there's two movies of Lou Gossett Jr.'s that to me changed the way i felt about or changed the way i think cinema was going and iron eagle's one of them iron eagle is one of the first movies that of course as a child i loved it the concept was great um very simple but it kind of made the outrageous and very unbelievable believable mm-hmm. like the fact that a, for one thing a kid can get in his hands on any of that it's like Everything in the world could come together, and that still isn't possible. There's no way. But the way the movie was done, it made it very – it got you hyped up as a kid. Like, like this is like a real – like, everything's realistic, and, and <laughs> this is what you can do if you have the desire and the you can get your friends to back you up and everything. But this is one of the first times I can remember in film where the heroic – um deed was transferred from adults to young adults slash almost children interesting because up until this point like everything like like even like talking chuck norris delta force any of these movies where something was happening and somebody had to go get somebody you know what i mean like this this to me was right on the cusps of like red dawn and all it was like it was in that genre of hey we don't just have adults and old school like actors from the 60s and 70s you know where it's an all-star cast with big names but like these guys are in the 40s and 50s mm-hmm. to we can have groups of young people coming together to actually make make a change and be his like go save his father from you know what i mean like i and i think it it came at a great time because this was when america wanted kids to dream big you know what i mean just <laughs> think about it i yeah. mean imagine how many kids this got to get into like the military and the fighter programs into just the, the the military in general it's almost i guess almost like recruiting
1: oh yeah it's a well, it's kind of almost blatantly a recruit a recruiting uh, exactly <laughs> so
0: yeah you get st- like you think okay just like top gun i'm gonna yeah exactly join exactly. the navy yeah. and i'm gonna be a fighter pilot and then you look and you're an accountant you know what I mean if you're still in the military but so but I mean this movie I I I always thought it was awesome and uh the the main kid what's his face um Jason Gedrick yeah wasn't he he was in what the heavenly kid or something
1: yeah I remember he was in in like
0: yeah he was like in two of my favorite 80s movies so it was kind of like cool to watch this kid and uh, he just he looked like every kid that was in my you know high school and stuff it's, you gave me a familiar face, you let him do something that was outrageous. I mean, Chappie was awesome because like you said, he was, he was like the father figure. Like, you know, yeah. me and my brothers, we grew up with, it took us a long time to get a a stable father figure. So it sounds cheesy, but every time we watch these movies, these are different, different male characters that we put together. And I guess it through the span of our lives before we got a solid father figure, we took pieces of these adult men that we figured, you know, take the traits that are, like, fatherish, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And put together in your head what a father should be, and so you got the, from from his role in this as Chappie, it was perfect because he's strict, but he's very loving, he's supportive, he's everything you'd want in a dad, you know what I'm saying, or that, that male role model, and then at the end he actually goes with you.
2: It's sure strange making you this tape. I just got finished talking to you. You yeah, had that look on your face. The look you had the first time you asked me to help you get your father. I never told you how I felt about you. Always had a problem talking about my feelings. But I want to tell you now that you got more courage than anybody I ever met. And you're going to have to use every bit of it to get through this thing. And I want you to know, I'm proud to have been by your side. And whatever happens, just remember, we tried. No one can take that away from us. This is this, actually
1: this is my first time watching it. A couple days ago, I, I, I for whatever reason I missed. You Iron, never saw it before this. I never saw Iron Eagle before this, or or its sequels. And this is. Kind I, of, I think
0: we wore out a tape, man. We taped it <laughs> off of Showtime, and we just kept watching it over and over again.
1: Yeah, I would say this. I, I don't have the same connection as you do, but I when I was watching it, I go, "Oh, okay, this is definitely very much." But you knew he was chappy, right? Like. You've I heard I, ever, no. I never, never heard the name before. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I was totally out of, out of, out of the loop for this particular film, but I, I mean, I knew that Iron Eagle was a big thing. I knew it was a cult favorite. I knew this had this kind of Top Gun type of feel to it. I think you 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 bring up a good point. It it really was one of the first ones where you could see that how the action genre was turning or was becoming more centric at, at teenagers or focused at teenagers. And there was like a ton of movies where teenagers were the center of the, of the drama. It was the rise of the teenage film in the eighties and Iron Eagle belongs in that kind of, you know, Canon. Yeah. But I, I think uh, to be totally honest, I think it's pretty, pretty eighties, <laughs> pretty kind of like a uh, uh, ridiculous at times there are, the mission doesn't necessarily make make sense but i do love louis cossop junior in it and i do okay, love- wait.
0: you know how you're talking about this sorry the the type of movie this was like you know for the kids and all that stuff yeah dude there was another movie we'd watch with this movie and i think i might have been the only human being that remembers it it's called Rooskies. <laughs> Do you remember this flick? I heard. I I don't. I don't know if I saw it, but I heard. Definitely, it has the guy from American Ninja, the Michael like, Dudikoff. Uh, is that his name? Hold on. No, this guy's name is Whip Hubley. but it's got Joaquin Phoenix, and it's these kids find a like a shipwrecked Russian soldier, and they decide to make him American to hide him. <laughs> Dude, it's the same. It's like almost a, a similar concept of kids being able to live larger than life yeah 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 but dude i i've for years been like oh dude you guys remember that movie ruskies and i have yet to find anybody that says oh yeah i remember that movie (laughs) but i swear to to jesus we've watched that movie a million times i just looked it up to make sure that i wasn't crazy yeah 1987 ruskies and you, you know what i was thinking about the um we're talking about iron eagle specifically in that flick i remember thinking to myself when um Chappie gets shot down I I don't think it's a spoiler for anybody Mm -hmm. so Chappie gets shot down and I'm like holy crap he's got to do this on his own there's no way they can do it but like geniuses he's got that special tape you know what I'm saying (laughs) so I think they had the tape idea first and I went back so that this kid could only like basically kick ass while he gets in the zone with the music anyway so, I like the, how they wrote it in where Chappie can get shot down so we get all the drama and sadness, mm-hmm. but then the tape kind of brings him back. So, it's not like you, you forgot he was shot down and died, but he's still there to see him through. You know
1: what I mean? Well, I mean, he gets shot down, but he, he lives. Yeah, but mm-hmm. you don't know
0: that. Oh, I see. You what expected you mean. that he died. Yeah, so he's gone. Everybody's sad that he pops in the tape and it's like, if you listen to this, something went bad. You're on your <laughs> own. You know what I mean? And he even starts off with like, I know if you, you know, nobody will blame me if you turn around. Right. So just, you know, press pause, take a second, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, as soon as you press play, all right, I knew you'd stay in there. You know what I mean? So it's like, boom, nice, positive, and he's he's laying everything out. I thought that was just, it was actually, when you think about it, for 1980, whatever, that was a real cool way to do it. You didn't have to do a flashback, or you didn't have to do a ghost. You know what I mean? Like, it's
1: it's simple. It's a cassette recording that he made. Yeah, the whole movie is about this kid who wants to save his... Father who was uh, shot down behind enemy lines. He's captive in a foreign country. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, yeah, when I look at the movie for the first time a couple of days ago, I go, I don't know if that rescue mission make, makes a lot of sense, but the emotional part of it does. And a lot of it is because of what Louis Gossett Jr. does in the in the film as being this proxy to Kid's father. He was almost a, not not a replacement, but someone who was helps him guide him through this mission. You know, the the guy who plays the father, Jason Gedrick's father in the movie, is a guy named Tim Thomerson, who was who started his career as a comedian, but he also appeared in a lot of kind of cult movies of the 80s.
0: Yeah, a lot of war movies.
1: Yeah, Travis, yeah. he was an uncommon valor, which was a great kind of military movie that was like I think maybe maybe a year before or after this movie. So, uh yeah, like Iron Eagle has a lot of these great kind of character actors in it and also a lot of young stars. Like I mean Shani Smith appears in this movie. Shani Smith is, you know, someone who I grew up watching on like say uh I think was was she in Summer School? And maybe that was yeah. Uh, she was in a lot of the the kind of B cult classicy. Yeah, so I mean that that was that's another great thing about about watching irony go. Uh, you know, watching for the first time or watching again for after so many years, it, you get to see a lot of these old, young kids. I think it, also part of the cast you got that black kid from Revenge of the Nerds.
0: Yeah, yeah but he's not <laughs> Lamar. <laughs> it was the only time
1: you got uh, uh, cousin Oliver from the Brady Bunch. I don't know. Yeah, the should, glasses. <laughs> And it's it's I, like again, I don't know if that's a real thing. Like this this whole kind of club of fighter pilots or whatever. It's but it, it, it makes sense in the this world of Iron Echo.
0: Yeah, I think in the it, like in the movie they're all what military brats.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You
0: know, that's how they're all coming. But you can't tell me at the end when he's sitting there and he's waiting to get his his ass reamed, and then you hear Chappie <laughs> and Chappie comes walking in. A little piece in your heart didn't heal. That was the most awesome scene ever. I think I cried as a child. I'm like, Mom, he's alive. Oh, interesting. <laughs>
2: it's nice of you to join us for the occasion, Mr. Iron Eagle, sir. Happy. Hey! hey. <laughs> <laughs> he told us you went down in the med. Well, I did. I had to do a little dog paddling for a while until I got picked up by this Egyptian trawler. But your dad said things didn't go easy for you either. Has dad come to this? No, no, no. He's still in a debriefing. It's just you and me, kid. They're going to put us in jail. You know that, don't you, chap? Well, whatever they do, just keep your head up and your shoulders back. They kind of like it when you stand tall.
1: You know, I watched this movie for the first time this week. And there was another movie that came out the same year, 1986, where Lewis Gossip Jr. is starring opposite Chuck Norris in a film called Firewalker, which is a film that uh, is... Classic. It's it's a cult classic it was another film that was not loved by critics. It, it is a, a comedy for some reason. But I, I think I actually enjoyed this a little bit more than Iron Eagle because it was such a goofy concept. And it is blatantly stealing from Raiders of the Lost Ark and also... It steals from everything. Um, <laughs> romancing the Stone. Romancing the
0: Stone, yeah. And, <laughs> and it stars opposite him, Chuck Norris. Right. This is Chuck Norris's debut comedy. Yet he still smokes a cigar and <laughs> does outrageously physical things.
2: No heroes ever have been more courageous. What is that? How the hell should I know? Max, shoot it! More faithful. You stupid of Jane. More optimistic. We keep sticking our necks out and sooner or later somebody's going to chop our heads off. Than Max Donegan and Leo Porter. We need a new plan. No. Their friendship faces its greatest challenge. You're getting as bad as that fruitcake girl. Fruitcake? Wow. I'm a fruitcake? Let better be some gold up here. Get your butt. I'm coming, I'm coming. Chuck Norris and Lou Gossett in Firewalker.
1: Yeah, I I didn't realize how bad of an actor Chuck Norris is. He's a
0: karate guy, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He's horrible.
1: I was actually pretty shocked about Louis Gossett Jr. in this. You know, He's having a really good time. And they're trying their best to make this movie work now this is I mean, a,
0: acting wise my man Gossett is carrying the whole entire film,
1: yeah, yeah,
0: I mean, they even steal the guy um the uh John Rice Davies
1: yeah, from Indiana they steal Jones yeah. him <laughs> from
0: Indiana Jones <laughs> to make it more Indiana Jones, they took people from the Indiana Jones movies and put them in this place
1: look like it's it feels like it was written in the weekend it, it's you know it's it's basically two treasure hunters they they go to I think Mexico, or they go to Latin America country to find a treasure in some lost Aztec city or something like that. And they get in a whole lot of trouble.
2: You said your mother was a pig and your father was a, a dog. You mentioned my sister? He's just looking for trouble. I don't feel like riding some god off in prison over some bar fight. Nice of that. Te cogiste las cabras. Mierda! We said you have sexual relationships with goats. <clears throat> no, 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 wait. Uh, let, let, let me talk to her. Hola, amigo. Nosotros estamos a gringos. Tú tienes que mucho paciencia, ¿comprendes? <laughs> oh, no, no! <laughs> it's
0: funny, they're like, they're like, okay, you know what Romancing the Stone was missing? A karate guy. <laughs> Somebody get me a script by Monday. You know what I mean? boom Chuck, we got a movie for you.
1: yeah, I think I think they provide a certain quality. It's campy it's 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 catchy. it' almost makes it watchable in a in a way. But it's funny that Lewis Gossett Jr. did you know Iron Eagle and Firewalker in the same year. and so he was kind of like saying, yeah, I'm willing to do, it. even though I'm an Oscar winner. I'm more than willing to kind of appear in these kind of B movies.
0: Yeah, I mean, if he's smart, it's a paycheck. Maybe he's, like you said, he's having fun. Yeah. It look, it's not a serious movie. So as long as you tell yourself, you know, I don't, I'm not going to stay up late at night trying to figure out all these different like um, places to draw from, you know what I mean? I'm just going to go out there. We're going to film. It's going to be fun. Mm -hmm. You know, I get to, you know, horse around with Chuck Norris all day. (laughs) And it's funny because I'm looking at the videos, the clips, and he's almost like a foot taller than Chuck Norris, man. <laughs> I don't know if Chuck is really short, but Lou Gossett must be like 6'2", six, 6'3". Six,
1: and I think in some of his interviews, I think I heard him say something about the reason why he picked some of these projects was that he was, it, it gave him an opportunity to travel around the world. I think uh, with some of these films, he was able to go to other parts of, of
0: Europe. That's a genius answer. You're getting paid and they're taking you around the world something you wanted to do you know what i mean it's like it's like what people say oh brett Favre, why don't you retire <laughs> i don't know because they're paying me 15 million dollars a year to do something i love you know what i mean it's like a no-brainer yeah why not take these well somebody else is gonna take it might as well be me and like you said he gets to go around the country he gets to go around or not just the country but around the world hmm but back then, he's he's making a couple movies a year. That's what he was. He was an actor. You know what I mean? He wasn't...
1: Yeah, he, I think he understood what it meant to be a working actor. And that doesn't mean you pick the roles that you want to play. You just work. You just work at it. Yeah. And it makes you a better actor. And I think once you get down to, like, Diggstown in the 90s, he's, like, a, I think he's a much better actor than, say, what he was doing in the early 80s. Oh, yeah, for be-
0: sure.
1: But before we get to Diggstown, let's talk about the kind of the reason why we started this uh, episode
0: oh wait yeah enemy mine right yeah okay i'm sorry i watched last night so it's clear spin my head and i i I wrote it down to remember because okay when i watched it this time i did not absorb the background the music Mm. any of that stuff and it's so funny because when i watched this i finally got it because i didn't like sci-fi at all like i was not a big sci-fi fan Mm. uh my mom used to watch this as when I was a kid and that's how I got into this particular movie. So up until this point, I wasn't a sci-fi fan, but when you watch this movie, it's, it's crazy because it's the transition to me from old school sci-fi, like, um, Buck Rogers, uh, Flash Gordon where like when you saw space, like you see space now, it's always just a bunch of dots. You know what I mean? Like it's space. That's how you know you're in space, because it's just bigger, smaller dots. Back then, dude, it was these huge planets with rings and supernovas. It was almost like space was crowded. You know what I mean? <laughs> and But that's the way it was. It was more like Frazetta. It was more artist's conceptions of how space would be. And it's funny because, you know, they're all written in the future. But it's kind of like this was their idea of the future. Like, I don't know if they thought we were gonna go deeper into space and it was gonna be more crowded, mm-hmm. but it was it was over saturated. Like if you just watch the opening scene and like with the credits and it's just, and there's, there's space isn't even black, it's like purple. To me, it's one of the last times you see it like this in a movie, in a sci-fi movie. You don't see that anymore. Everything's just the
2: blackness of space. By late in the 21st century, the nations of the Earth were finally at peace, working together to explore and colonize the distant reaches of space. Unfortunately, we weren't alone out there. A race of non-human aliens called the Drax were claiming squatters' rights to some of the richest star systems in the galaxy. Well, they weren't gonna get it
0: without a fight. And then throughout the movie, it's it's not just sound, it's like a score, like an actual theatrical score. And I I've seen this movie a hundred times and I never picked up on any of that because I was always younger and I was just thinking about the story. Mm. You know what I mean? But when I watched last night, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna watch this and I'm gonna I'm gonna see what if it would work now as a movie and to see if it stood up against what I remember, and it stood up and it actually, I liked it more because of those aspects. Because those are things you don't see anymore. And it's, it's not as much as being realistic or not. It was more of the the fantasy. It was more like space was more fantasy than it is now. Now it's sci-fi. But back then, it fell more into the fantasy realm. You
1: know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I do. I, I think you, you make a good point about the design of the film. The production design is excellent in, in the film. But I never really thought about the space itself. That's a good point. That there was an artistic vision of space at the time.
0: But you remember, like Buck Rogers and all the old school ones, right? They always had
1: that. You know what I mean? Yeah, it felt it was very, I guess, old school comic book uh, style. Yeah, like
0: like cells over cells over cells.
1: Yeah, and that's what's that's what's so great about this movie. Enemy Mine had like that classic model making. uh, There's no digital effects in this one. The the spe- the makeup for, for what Lewis Gossip Jr. has to wear because he's playing a, a lizard like alien is terrific. I mean, still holds up to this day. And, you know, he's playing opposite Dennis, uh, uh Dennis Quaid, who, who was his co-star in the Jaws 3D. They're back together. And so, you know, this story is about really about
0: s- About them saying sorry about the <laughs> about the Jaws 3D. Oh, yeah. We're really sorry about Jaws 3D. You would like this one believe, it <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's if you if you think about it, it's really kind of Robin Caruso, but in space. It's it's yeah, exactly. You know, Des Quaid is playing a jet fighter pilot in a war against these aliens, and Louis Gossett Jr. is an alien who gets shot down. They both get shot down, and, and they are both stranded on this planet, this distant planet that they've never been on. And because they're like the only two people on this planet, they have to become friends and and survive the elements. And it's like a really great moral tale about intolerance. It's about like you know like was it don't don't judge a book by its cover type of thing. yeah the
0: it's, propaganda. It's but, like they're enemies because they were told they were enemies.
1: Yeah, and it's it's yeah. it, it's also about like we shouldn't demonize our enemies because they be you you take the humanity out of it and. I don't know, I think I have always loved this movie. This movie yeah. kind of was one of my favorite films back then. And I was a science fiction fan, and I think this really plays with what I really loved about these type of movies.
2: Humans, easy you give up. Just more ah, teaches us intelligent life takes a star. <laughs> Where'd you get that crap out of that little book you're always reading? I'm the one that's taking a stand. Remember, I wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for you, sons of shit, Matt. Shizma. Mor- yeah, whatever. Ah, this war begun by you, by humans. Did you feel like it was
1: two movies? I always have. Oh, I always yeah. felt like there, there, there's certain, there's a certain part in what happens in the movie. We won't uh, because I think this is more of a cult. I don't think a lot of people have been watch watch this film. We won't. I think, we won't I think go if you've seen
0: them. it, you've seen it a hundred times. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? But if you've missed it, it's you—not purposely missed it, but yeah, you—you you don't know anything about it.
1: I think I think you're right. I think there's a, there's certainly a, a part where something happens where then that goes to a next stage.
0: Yeah, it, to me, it's as strong as. Uh, it's funny you mentioned it earlier, but um, Full Metal Jacket. Full Metal Jacket to me has always felt oh, like two movies. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? There's a training, yeah, every, training, pro- training, and then Vietnam, Vietnam. Yeah. Yeah, this one it's kind of like there's a definite split too.
1: Yeah, there's a survival of the first part, and then there's the second part of, of uh, like, a next generation of that. Or... Exactly, yeah, like,
0: <laughs> like, not just surviving, but now how are we going to either get off or continue our story?
1: You know, the makeup in the, in the movie is done by a creature effects artist named Chris Wallace. I believe that's his name. Uh, and he is a guy who did The Fly. And he also did the gremlins. He's, a, he's in this incredible, legendary creature effects artist. And the makeup is so good. It's good because it's like subtle. Yeah. And, and they it, didn't do anything crazy. They didn't give him
0: extra appendages. and
1: Yeah, it's still, yeah. It's, you could tell it's still a mask, but it, it works with his, it works with Lewis Gossips Jr.'s face. Like when he opens his eyes, it, it, you know, everything works well. As, as good as the makeup is, I think Louis Gopsis Jr.'s performance is even better in a lot of ways, just by his voice, the way he speaks, the way he... And his
0: movements, you know, it, it's it's two arms, two legs, bipedal, like a like a person, but it's not... When you watch him in the movie, he doesn't walk like a person, move like a person. It's, it's very animalistic, very, almost very um, reptilian, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean... And I don't know if that was his, like, motivation, like, hey, move like a lizard type of deal, but... It's very subtle, but it's
1: there, and, and it works. And I think the fact that this is the same artist who did The Fly with Jeff Goldblum, it's almost the same approach. I mean, I think this this was before The Fly, and Lewis Gossett Jr. is doing somewhat like what uh, Jeff Goldblum did in The Fly. They, they move like insects; they they move rapidly, short like short expressions. You know, he cocks his head in a way. It's a, it's a really a great performance by him, and it, and it's probably one of his better performances in his career because this is such a cult movie. I don't know if people really took that in and really appreciate his performance in the film.
0: Yeah, I, I would say no, but <laughs> it's there and it's so good.
2: This is my left foot. Yes, is my right foot. And this, I'm both my feet. Yeah, great. Yeah, great. This is my head. That is your ugly head. No, no. This is my head. That is your head. You ugly head. (laughs) Ha, ha. Ha. That is the Oh, cat <laughs> All right, that's enough. Now you keep that up and you can learn English all by yourself because I'm not going to be your teacher anymore. we
1: Before we recorded, you were talking about how he used his voice, the, the intonations, the kind of reverberation of his voice in certain scenes and certain languages.
0: Yeah, like in all his like movies where he's like the um He's the the drill sergeant, sergeants and stuff, there's like a certain cadence. Yeah. And instead of, instead of getting louder and like he just, the way he talks, he'll be like very like, I thought we had talked about that. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like very, very clear, but it's almost like a, like I'm going to talk clear so that you understand what I'm, ta- you know what I mean? So it's kind of, it's, it, it's the forceful, but it's more like a, like when your parents tell you something and they slow it down so that. We all understand, <laughs> you know what I mean. It's one of those deals. Yeah, yeah. But it's like it even comes through when he's speaking Drac. Yeah. When you think about it too, it's yeah, it's cool. Like so, when he's speaking his Drac tongue, it's in there. Mm-hmm. But then later on, when they're talking, yeah, when the, mm-hmm. he's reciting the lineage, and like all he does is he adds in like a, <laughs> so it's like, it's like uh, what did he say? Like a, uh, uh, father, uh, computer builder you know what I mean it's just like you know yeah. mothers of waitress you know it's just there but it's it's so awesome the way he does it yeah it's, he's speaking English but it's just it's his cadence that comes through because of who he is and then it's when he's speaking Drac, it's still in the Drac undertones
2: oh that is your lineage here stands before you Willis the thou Isla Violet, son of Dolores, who used to be a actress, and Carl, maker of computers, who in their time were born of grandpa, possibly of farmer. make it sound pretty thin but i am honored that you invested
0: it to me you know how in most of these movies because we speak english the alien learns to speak english right but i dug that he learned to speak track
1: yeah right isn't that cool because that's what i loved about the movie too there, there's yeah. this, this Celebration of it's what, a respect, yeah, yeah. It's a, a celebration of just not just respect of uh, other people's culture, but really kind of immersing yourself in the other person's culture and learning each other language is A great representation of that about how it's not just like we shouldn't demonize these people or whatever. You shouldn't demonize your en- enemy, but we should actually really kind of understand what why the culture is what it is. And then and, we can as make, the movie goes <laughs> on, it's
0: they demonize us. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: It's. I mean, it's equal opportunity here. I mean, uh, Lewis Gossip Jr.'s character, who's I think his nickname is Jerry in the movie. Jerry. Yeah. He, they call uh, Dennis Quaid calls him Jerry, and he calls him Davich. 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 <laughs> and so Jerry' idea of humans, it's like a totally kind of stereotype, and but he also learns how not to hate humans. You know, so it's like a mutual kind of respect that we get from the movie, and I think that's a great way to tell this kind of science fiction film.
0: Yeah, and and, and they, they do it great because when they first crash and they meet each other, it's one of those things where they're still in fight mode. Yeah. So they're instantly fighting. One gets the upper hand, and then they realize, hey, this Earth or this planet is going to kill us if we don't work together type of deal. So it's like, like I can hold you hostage and get killed because I have no idea what I'm doing, or we stand a chance if we work together type of deal. Like, they got to learn to to get along. That's the only way to survive. And, you know, it's like one of those things where it's like, it's a very easy concept, and you're wondering why our government, you know what I mean, doesn't understand it. You know what I mean? It's like, we're getting, like, these people that are watching sci-fi movies, they get it, (laughs) but the people that can actually use this, like, to better our actual world, don't get it. You know, it's... It's
1: funny well that's 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 what's great about science fiction or fantasy you could use these fantastical elements but really kind of to talk to in a way that speaks to modern day issues or something like that i mean oh yeah so i i, I this movie i highly recommend i mean there, there there's some great kind of character study and developments in the film and and like i said i think this is one of uh, lewis gossip jr's better performances we will highly recommend Enemy Mine. It sometimes appears like in, in some of these streaming services. So if it does, give it a shot. If you haven't seen it, it's a good, good, solid film.
0: We, I, Yeah, I actually recommend seeing it. Like, try to find it. Don't, oh, it's on, like, when you hear this and you have, if you haven't seen it, definitely go out of your way to find it. Yeah. It's worth the watch for sure.
1: Yeah, and it's also directed by Wolfgang Peterson. He did uh, Never Ending Story, I think, either after this or or before this. and in, he went on to do a lot of great action films in the 90s, like In the, in the Line of Fire, Outbreak, uh, Air Force One. Air Force One. And he did Troy, which was a good one, too. So, yeah, you know, really good director. I think two great, solid performances by Louis Gossett Jr. and Dennis Quaid. And I, I agree with you. It does, I think at the very end, it does feel like a Buck Rogers or a Flash Gordon. I, you know, Certainly, it's, it's, it was inspired or it's riding the wave of Star Wars or the Star Wars success but a lot of movies came out after star wars and this is probably better the the one of the better ones that came off of that wave
0: yeah because I, I i like the fact that it didn't tell the story of the two armies it, it basically brought it all down to two people or two beings you know what i mean it wasn't yeah. the whole let's let's follow this side and then this side and go back and forth and see if they could come to some kind of you know mutual ground but definitely uh, so this is one of my early favorite sci-fi movies and like like you said haven't watched it go find it but if this is on i'll stop what i'm doing and i'll, I'll usually watch it
1: yeah so let's let's now jump into like the 90s where lewis gossett jr is now a little bit older he has some really bad movies under his belt now like he just did the punisher <laughs> which was a movie <laughs> that i don't think he even went out in theaters it went to direct to video uh, but he was the cop in that movie he was also he appeared in a in a in a movie called The Principal with uh, Jim Belushi it's a solid 80s type of uh, genre film where the teacher's going to teach the street hoods how to really behave
0: he's going to make a difference clean up the school
1: <laughs> he's going to clean up the streets yeah he's going to yeah he's going to make he's going to save these kids lives and yeah uh, Actually, I went back to watch this one too, and it it's funny. It's funny because how much how much it feels like it's stuck in amber, stuck in that eighties amber. It's like it has so many kind of eighties tropes. But I I actually had a really good time watching it because I think it's very genuine. It's very earnest, though. I think it it really falls in some of the trappings of eighties tropes and. Unfortunately, Louis Gossett it does doesn't have a, like a big role in it. it. He's he's in it, but it's mostly a Jim Belushi film.
0: But I do enjoy that when he's in when he's in something, he takes it to the not to the extreme, but he makes the most of his role. Yeah, like I think the most dramatic scene in the whole movie is when I believe James Belushi asks him why he's afraid of the like the main bad guy, and he tells him he's because oh, if you put me in a room. And him in a room, one of us is gonna die. You know what I mean? yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He went crazy, yeah. dramatic. Like, yeah.
2: Jake, what? Why are you so afraid of him? The only thing that I am afraid of is if me and that boy lock horns, either he's gonna kill me or I'm gonna kill him. Don't be no overtime. That is the only thing that I'm afraid of.
1: And I think in a, in a alternate universe or in in a switching doors scenario. If he would have went right instead of left, or if he would have zagged instead of zigging, he would have been like a, a Morgan Freeman type of actor, someone who's very revered and someone who's been like in these high-profile movies. But yet, because of a certain circumstance... He is just known for these smaller films. And maybe that's a sad thing about this industry. Uh, There's a lot of great talent who are overlooked and ignored. But at least he has gotten a few films that we could point to and say, yes, this guy was great. And one of those films was Digstown, which came out in 1992. And I think finally he got a part where he really just shined. I would say he's equal billing to James Woods in in this movie.
2: You know the difference between a hustler and a big guy, man? Hustler has to get out of town as quick as he can. But a good con man, he doesn't have to leave till he wants to. Hi. Even. Hey, two things we never joke about here in Digstown, Mr. Kane. Our boxing and our betting. I never heard of no honey, Roy Palmer. Could take on any ten of you in a day. Nobody can take ten, men. Any ten, any day. I'd bet a thousand on it. But would you bet? Two thousand bucks on it. I got ten thousand dollars against your thousand. How's about your hundred thousand dollars against my ten thousand? You're not serious. (laughs) Roy's in, right? I mean, I haven't asked him (laughs) yet. Ouch! Getting old on me. You go fifteen rounds. You're wheezing like an old goat. I don't know what's worse, fighting him or listening to your mouth. Fight! You want to bet? Let's bet. A million and a half dollars, or I forfeit and you kill me right now.
1: (laughs) Yeah! He plays Honey Roy Palmer. Yeah, the great Honey Roy Palmer, who is a boxer, and, and a washed-up boxer, really. And James Wood's playing Gabriel, Gabe, Gabe, and um, he's a con man. He's just released from prison, and he's setting up the next big scheme where he's going to hustle this uh, crooked businessman who is either the mayor or the official mayor, unofficial mayor of a town called Diggstown, where they're kind of boxing-obsessed. It's a boxing town.
0: Yeah, it's got a very famous uh, legend, boxer that lives there, yeah. yeah.
1: So James Wood's character, he kind of sets up this this bet. The idea was like he picks a boxer and then the guy will pick 10 boxers and the whoever is left standing wins the bet. So Louis Gossett Jr. is playing the great honey Roy Palmer and he has to fight because he needs money. He's like financially strapped too. He agrees to box 10 people for this bet. And if he wins, they'll make a lot of money. What I really love about this movie, even though it came out in 1992, it, is, it feels like a throwback. It feels like a throwback to some of those 70s or early 80s films where everything's gritty, everything's kind of corrupt. <laughs> the whole world is like a bunch of con man. And it's, yeah, it's,
0: it's like con after con after <laughs> con after con. It really is. Everything's a con and everything's a setup for the next con.
1: Even, even someone like Honey Roy Palmer's character that, Lewis Gossett Jr. plays. He is not necessarily squeaky clean. He has uh, baggage as well. That's what I love about the, this this movie. This it is not it's not black. This is not a black and white world. Everyone is living in gray, you know, or the gray areas of society. So it, it, it challenges you to who do you root for, and you end up rooting for James Woods and Lewis Gossett Jr. because they're less corrupt. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, like, it's, it's <laughs> the, con, the con man with the heart of gold type of deal. Yeah.
1: They still have an ethic and they still have a kind of, they still have a moral consciousness. Unlike Bruce Dern, who plays like the, the villain in the movie, who is deeply corrupt. He's a politician. He's a businessman who who has bribed everyone. Very hateable in this <laughs> flick. And, Very hateable. And just terrific in the film. Like this is, yeah. a, this is the whole cast is great. You got Oliver Platt, a young Oliver Platt here. You got Heather Graham.
0: Oh, don't even get me started. <laughs> you got, I love her.
1: <laughs> you got Randall Tex Cobb in this, the great Randall Tex Cobb. I, you know, I don't know anyone who really kind of talks about this movie. I mean, this is like one of the great kind of underseen cult sports dramas of the 90s. Yeah, but it, it's
0: this, it's, the same, it's the same scenario with Enemy Mind. If you've seen it, you liked it yeah you know what i mean it's hard not to like this movie this there's, there's there's so many things in it that make you like just you you root for the underdog who like you said is not squeaky clean or pure white but he you just you need him to win because you need bruce stern to go down you know what i mean he's such and it's <laughs> his fault for being such a good actor that you hate the shit out of him in this movie <laughs> he a- is such a piece of uh, you, uh, you just want him to suffer. And,
1: <laughs> also, yeah. we should add: it is funny. This movie is funny. Even oh, though, it's, and, it's especially between
0: the. There was a lot of good chemistry between um, James Woods. James, James Woods and, and, and yeah. Luke yeah, that was really good.
2: Close ain't gonna make it, man. Okay, look, he's bigger than you are. He's tougher. He's faster. He's younger than you are. He hasn't fought twenty-two rounds today. But you remember this: you are black. What the hell is that supposed to mean? I don't know. I mean, it's I'm trying to inspire you. You know, it's, it's a roots kind of thing. It's, it's like a motivation thing. Well, you're a shit at motivation.
1: The line I remember in this, in, in this movie was that Bruce Dern, who is, like you're saying, a despicable man in this movie. Just an arrogant. I think that's the, the worst part. Wow, yeah. so arrogant. And so it's a point at the end where he's like probably at, at his lowest point in his life. And he's walking, he's walking <laughs> out. He's walking out of the the boxing ring and someone takes a photo of him and he goes, that's worth about a word. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you
0: were going to say, I thought you were going to say, oh, what's wrong? Oh, or did you just lose the whole town? Or something like that he said to somebody. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's like yeah, looking at him, like, why is he making that face? Oh, yeah, did you uh,
1: just lose the whole time? Yeah, it was one of the great kind of meltdowns on in film in this scene where with Bruce Durin. But the, no, the, the fact that he goes, you know, someone takes a photo, and the the, the old adage is like a picture is worth a thousand words, and he goes, yeah, "That's, that's worth that's worth just about a word." You know, it's horrible <laughs> at the end when his
0: son says, damn it dad, can't you just lose? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. That's how shitty he is that his kid is telling him, try. Huh?
2: You wanna see the law? John, what are you gonna do? You deserve to lose. <laughs> hey bro, my hands hurt. You wanna do this?
1: There's a ba- you know, there's a great balance in this movie because there there is like this kind of dark comedic tone to it and then it gets to a point where a boxer's a boxer's who's on the take and then he learns that you know his brother's in jeopardy and so he has to like really box lewis gossip jr and that's and, the guy
0: that i love that guy he's from he's also from summer school summer school where he goes to the bathroom the most <laughs>
1: and he goes my zipper got stuck yeah, yeah yeah
0: yeah and he plays the linebacker on uh uh the program i love that guy oh
1: shit yeah 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 so there's a scene where like he has to deal with this kind of dramatic moment, and and it really kind of stops the movie. And you're like, oh shit, this movie is real. This movie is you dark. Know, <laughs> this movie is that like, was that's the only part of the movie that to me
0: didn't feel didn't right. Mesh it didn't oh. mesh because yeah, exactly because it was like, wait, this isn't this is next level shit. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean?
1: It's but well, I think it ups the stakes when we get to the final act of the movie it really ups the stakes where now we if you let's say if you let's say you if you kind of like Bruce during a little bit now at that point you're like no we hate this guy and now we're totally rooting for james woods and lewis gossett jr to do this really do it this impossible feat where he has to fight off 10 uh boxers in 24 hours and like knock yeah. them out you know
0: i know what you're saying but to me it's kind of like I think it took from,
1: a little too far. Maybe it took a little too
0: far. He went from just a, a piece of shit dirtbag to the M word. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, really? Like, wow. Like, I don't know. I mean, yeah. And it's... I don't want to ruin it, but yeah. it's. I, I still love the movie, but, I, but the thing is, I think what it is, is you, you, there's no in-between. There's no in-between ground. You know what I mean? Like, he could have just beat him up, I guess, real bad, but it doesn't give you the... That, that awe, that slap in the face, you know what I mean? So it yeah, was crazy. Crazy, like, that it went that far.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I see what you mean. I mean, I, I bring it up because it's, it was the moment uh, that I kind of remembered the most of, from watching it uh, back then. Like, it, it, it really kind of, like, takes the breath out of you. and Like, oh, shit, this is, like, like this, you mean business now. <laughs> this is not a jokey type of film. This is a really dark, dark film. Oh, yeah. I, that's I, I I think that's what I liked about it. It took risk, and it, it really is a dirty, grimy film, yet I think we all love the actors in it.
0: It was a different kind of a movie, too, for me. It's just... I, I I know that I watched it the first time with... It's, like, weird. I got to give my mom most of my movie credits, but <laughs> it's just because she was in charge of everything, and I remember seeing it, and I remember her explaining it to me, like, oh, he's got to be 10 guys, and I'm like, nobody can be 10 guys. And so I'm watching it, and I just... I remember the... Uh, the chemistry between uh Woods and Gossett, and it was just they do little face things to each other. You know what I mean? It's just like mm. during the whole movie, like he shoots him like a kind of like a what am I gonna do about you know what can we do kind of face, and poor Lou Gossett Jr. Is sitting in there, you know, all sweaty and mm-hmm. broken up, and he just kind of rolls his eyes like just bring up the next guy. You know what I mean? It's kind of like the 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 stakes are getting higher, the the. The double crossings coming you know what i mean coming in and it's kind of like this poor guy is stuck in the ring he literally has nowhere to go you know he has to keep like no matter how shitty james woods makes it he's making it for lou gaza jr you know what i mean i just always remember feeling that like oh how can these guys even be friends
2: right <laughs> right can you hear me right I'm stopping it right now, you hear me? I'm stopping it here. Don't so lose faith in me twice. Or well, don't make me watch you die. I'm stopping the fight. You know, you really gotta work on that motivation thing. Right, right. I,
1: I really thought the movie was kind of like maybe the dark side of Rocky. It's like the underbelly of Rocky or something. Like yeah. Rocky is like a crowd pleaser. I would say this is a crowd pleaser too, but wow!
0: Like the seedy underworld of like backyard boxing for yeah. money, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah, yeah. these guys weren't making millions, yeah. you know what I mean? It's not the fighters for sure. And I mean the ten guys that Dern gets together is like farmers, and <laughs> like three of them are actual like trying to be boxers. One guy's a tough guy that drinks a lot, you know what I mean? So it's like I don't know. It's it's, but it, the movie itself comes across so well. good
1: and it's also one of the great performances of Louis gossett jr who at this point is a little bit older although in the movie he's playing 48 (laughs)
0: yeah i think he's well is he 48 when he makes the movie no i think he seems they they make him older because remember he's got the whole side hair they make him shave it so that he's all the way
1: bald i'm not sure how old he was when when he did the movie but i'm like i'm going 48 Wow, and then That was considered way too old for a boxer, like he was over the hill and shit. I'm like, oh, shit, I'm almost 48, you know?
0: (laughs) (laughs) But that was part of it, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That was part of that hustle was like, hey, he's even so old that there's no way he can do it. But yeah, he's up there.
1: Yeah, it's one of like kind of beat-the-odds type of movies, that, uh, or the underdog movie, which is, you know— it's just great to watch when it's pulled off correctly, and yeah, and then you, everybody feels good at the end. Yeah, it was a like like I said, this is a fun movie. I hope more people watch it. I I I don't know if people talk about this movie. It was such a good cult classic.
0: Yeah, I think this will got by a lot of people too.
1: All right, uh, before we go, you know, before we finish this episode, I just quickly want to just recommend a, a performance, and maybe not the movie itself, but a performance. Uh, Lewis Gossett Jr. co-starred in a movie called El Diablo. You ever heard this movie? No. Older or newer? 1990. It was a Western. It was an HBO original movie. It was a cable movie. And so he plays a kind of an old gunslinger. And Anthony Edwards is in the movie. He plays a teacher who, one of his students gets kidnapped by El Diablo, this kind of out- notorious outlaw mexican outlaw and so he goes to mexico and he has to hire a, a professional gunslinger that turns out to be lewis gossip jr and it it's like I, this is when you were you were saying like we should do an episode of you know of lewis Gossett jr i go i gotta talk about el diablo because i think it's a it's a great performance it's because Did of, you
0: see this movie like when on tv
1: yeah i saw it when it was in in, in, in the 90s and and I, I don't think anyone's seen it. I mean, it's such an obscure type of film. And it, it, like I said, it was an HBO original film. And it's so, got a lot of good people in it, though. Yeah, it got Joey Pantiglione, who...
0: Yeah, led, Jim Beaver. Uh, oh, yeah, The yeah, guy yeah. that that Branscombe Richmond. Wasn't he in uh, your Texas Ranger show?
1: Oh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> Ro- Robert Beltran was the guy who plays El Diablo, the main bad guy.
0: Uh, John Glover? Damn.
1: yeah. It, I So I recently went back to watch this. And unfortunately, it doesn't really hold up. Or at least in my eyes, it doesn't really hold up. It does feel like a TV movie. It has that like kind of light moments. There's comedic moments. But it was written by John Carpenter. And Tommy. <laughs> yes, it was written by John Carpenter and Tommy Lee Wallace, which is a connection to our last episode when we talked about Fright Night franchise. He, he's the guy who directed Fright Night Part 2. He also directed the Stephen King It miniseries. He was a, 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 one of John Carpenter's friends. Uh, Bill Phillips, who also wrote Christine, also wrote this movie. So this was a project for John Carpenter. He abandoned it, and it was picked up years later, and it was directed by a guy who directed Wagons East, uh, Peter Markle. You better
0: not. <laughs> I'm looking at his IMDb right now. This man created one of the greatest sports movies of all time, Youngblood.
1: Oh, yes, yes. He directed. That's young- like my favorite <laughs> hockey movie ever. Yes, but this I think this tends to lean into more like The Wagon East. This is more kind of a light comedy. And I think if John Carpenter would have directed this, this would have been a more darker film.
0: When you described it, I thought you were talking about Three Amigos, man.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it kind of is like that. It kind of is like, you you know, he needs to hire a professional gunslinger. He recruits a team of outlaws to save, try to retrieve this girl who was kidnapped by El Diablo. And... Because they lean into the comedic elements, it doesn't hold up. But I love the story. I love the story. I love that uh, if I, if John Carpenter would have kept the the project and didn't abandoned it, I think he would have directed a really great film. And it was a good performance by uh, by Lewis Gossett Jr. as Thomas Van Leek, who is this gunslinger. He is he is like he is the sor- source material of this legend this legendary figure who appears in these kind of papers, these story, these cowboy stories. Do you think since he abandoned it, they went straight to TV? I, I
0: like it was going to be an actual, film no, I, film? I
1: think it was, a, it was going to be a, a movie. Oh, so it was still yeah. in script kind of. Yeah. I think it was, it gotcha. lost, I think it just got sucked up by another company and, and then end up in HBO's vault or whatever. And so, but I think John Carpenter, you know, he is famous for loving a lot of Westerns howard hawk's films and this was supposed to be his first western he never ended up making a western unfortunately but you i guess you could see you know some of his films you could see some western elements in his films like certainly in his crime films ghost of mars ghost of mars is definitely a western film in in space and so i i just would have loved to really see his take on it if he directed it
0: wow so is vampires dude the james wood's vampires yeah, yeah. of carpenter, and that's very westerny feel to it. I never put that together until you just <laughs> said it right now, man. You're right, though.
1: <laughs> I would suggest you know watch it just to see. You know, if you maybe you wouldn't mind the comedy in it, but I, but I mean, I, let me say this: Louis Gossett Jr. is great in it, and he he's he's playing a old professional gunslinger. Uh, and there's a part in the movie where he, you know, he shoots a guy in the back. And Anthony Edwards goes, You, you shot shot a uh, man in the back. And he goes, His back was to me. And it's like, like I, th- I think the, the idea of this movie was trying to demystify, demyst- like, kind of these cowboy legends.
0: Yeah, the, the wait till you draw type of deal. Yeah.
1: And-, and that's what I really, really loved about it, about how oh, the, these are just fictional stories. And this was done like a couple years before Unforgiven, because Unforgiven is all about that. It's all about how. You know Clint Eastwood. You know is a bad guy, but you know the good versus evil is kind of not really a thing. There's <laughs> You know everyone's bad. Everyone's like yeah. everyone's corrupted in that town too. There's the there two movies are very similar, and I th- I think in a lot of ways El Diablo was there first, but uh,
0: Diablo could have beat it. Could have beat part. it if
1: if John Carpenter directed it, but. But Unforgiven is like the better, just just the much better film. But but uh, yeah, I just wanted to point that out, and I think it's a it's just an un an unrecognized great performance by Lewis Gossett Jr. I got to check that out for sure, man. It's on HBO Max. It's on you could you could check it out on HBO. Really? Max. Yeah, oh, I'm gonna check that out for sure. But yeah, I think it's a, just a little great little side note there.
0: All right, cool. And then uh, here's my little my little side note with the uh, Lewis Gossett Jr. Uh, I told you this. It's so funny. Uh, I never go anywhere. Uh, I love California mostly. Uh, I don't travel. I'm not a traveler per se. <laughs> but for my last job, I had to go to New York to train. So they sent us to New York. We had like seven-hour days. You know, When you don't live somewhere and you're sleeping in a hotel, there's nothing but time. So one day they said, hey, why don't you guys – because it was up, upstate New York. So they're like, go check out um, Buffalo and check out Niagara Falls. And they're like, we'll let you out half day. So we go down there. People are going to hate me. But uh, Niagara Falls is not a big deal. (laughs) It is. I thought it was a lot higher. It's not. uh, I don't have a passport. So I couldn't go. They told me it's better from the Canada side. Oh, okay. From the American side, it was nothing but dirty foam. And (laughs)
1: like,
0: yeah, it was dude. It was my disgusting. This my sheet. only point of yeah.
1: reference is S- Superman Two. <laughs> yeah, no, that was bullshit, and I called <laughs> it
0: bullshit when we were there, dude. If you fell, you have about three seconds top before you hit that water. Okay, it's not that far at all, <laughs> especially if you're like at the rail where there's a the stupid mist of the Lady of the Mist. So I don't know if it got fuller since those days, but yeah, definitely bullshit. But um, so we so, <laughs> went there. So, went
1: you to, to, you, so you were depressed. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I was surprised. Yeah. We are on our way back. We decided to stop and get something. So uh, one of uh, them, uh, it was just me and another guy. And the other guy's like, hey, I heard this is where they invented the buffalo wing. They, like, coined the phrase buffalo wings. Okay. At this place in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. So we go there. We go in the restaurant. And it's funny, too, because we'd been there the whole time. It was, just like, our third day there, and we had not had a pizza. And we've heard the rumors you know that new york pizza is the best the water the the bread whatever so we're going there and we're thinking about pizza pizza and pizza is like they don't have pizza on the menu it's like pizza is like do you want a side salad or it's like pizza's with the you can get a pizza but they're like yeah don't get the pizza here go get it at a famous pizza place they're like we're famous for our wings and we're famous for our sausage sandwiches so we got a sausage sandwich whatever and then they gave us a like when you get a side salad instead of a salad or whatever the side, mm-hmm. you can get a pizza. It's like a little personal pizza. So I got a pepperoni, whatever, and he got one. So we ate the sausage sandwiches, they were great. We bit into the pizza, and it blew our minds away. Like, holy shit, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's great. So we're sitting there all amazed. And then I <laughs> I, I, uh, I talked to the waitress, and then she said that uh, they're famous for something and something else. And I said, what? And she go, yeah, we're famous for... Uh, uh celebrities come here so then it's one of those places where you got to go up and you pay your bill at the front mm-hmm. so as i pay my bill who's on the wall right there by the cashier Lou Gossett Jr <laughs> <laughs> he's got his Lou Gossett Jr smile mm-hmm. and i'm so stupid i took a picture of the picture <laughs> so i was in a i was in a restaurant <laughs> that Lou Gossett Jr was in we could have sat at the same table you don't know <laughs> It would have only been funnier if he had, like, some wings up or something, you know what I mean, like, or dirty fingers or something, but it's so funny because it's not that he's not famous, I, fuck, I love the guy, Mm -hmm. but when you say celebrities, you're expecting multiple, and you're, because that was the only picture they had up, you're, yeah, so you're expecting multiple, and you're expecting, I don't know, like, maybe presidents, and they're Buffalo, and it's weird, because when you see Buffalo, you got teams there, right? The Sabres, the hockey teams, the Bills, the football team. And the city is smaller than, it's the smallest city I've ever, I think I've ever been in. Even from maps, like we were trying to find our way to the place. It is incredibly tiny to have like big sports teams and stuff. But you figure that since it's a famous, it's like, you know, you've heard of Buffalo New York. Yeah. You figured the famous people that came in there, there'd be more than Lugasa Jr. But that was just it. (laughs) I ate where Lucas and Junior ate.
1: That's your claim. That was your closeness to greatness.
0: <laughs> you know what? If I would have saw it when we first went in, I would have took the picture off the wall and put it next to me. <laughs> like, so that we could, like, at the same table we could eat. I'm like, hey, I'm going to be here for another week. If he comes in, you call me. <laughs> I will come in to eat with him.
1: All right. That's a good way to end this episode of T- Tarantino's. Uh, now what pizza. <laughs> so, uh, well, thank you for listening uh we'll be back hopefully with a new episode pretty soon hopefully we'll we'll get our shit together someday (laughs) yeah so thank you for listening to tarantino's and you know keep watching movies and uh we told you some recommendations so there you go you can check out some of the films that we talked about today
0: don't be mad we never promised we'd stay on topic (laughs) so you love it or you leave it
1: (laughs) okay thank you for listening to tarantino's all right bye bye laters